Welcome to it, welcome to it. It is a little after 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, so you guys know what time it is. It is talk that it is time for rather for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. You know, uh, it's funny. I was looking in the closet. I, I saw some dancing shoes. I was like, hmm, might have to dust those things off. I may have to as well, man. Uh, we, we had a great conversation with Jared Thompson of the UNLV Lady Rebels just a moment ago. Um, but yeah, hopefully some big things are coming from that conversation. Hopefully some more to be, uh, kind of detailed in the future about that. But, uh, first of all, I, I apologize to you guys for anybody who, uh, kind of, if they're listening to this now because the, the, the live stream wasn't working, um, or not up, I should say, I apologize guys. I didn't bring, uh, the laptop or the iPads today. And I tell you guys why. Um, we did episode fifty of the podcast last night. So I believe I told you guys before that I was doing a love reading. That was supposed to be episode fifty of the pod. Part two of that isn't done just yet. So that's why we went ahead and just did another podcast, episode fifty. That should be up soon. Um, not sure if it'll be up today or tomorrow, but that should be up soon. Shout out to who she. Shout out to Charlize, Aaliyah, Jordan, Duna, Caprice. We had a full house yesterday. Um, so yeah, that was a fun pod, and I left the iPads in the podcast bag, so that's what happens, and now I'm here, <laughs> and now we're here, and when we're doing this, this regular episode, or Monday episode, rather, so we're gonna try to keep it as fluid as possible, but mom sent me some tip-ins, I didn't have the chance to check, to check too many of them, um, beforehand, but We'll see what it is. My mom <laughs> sent me this one. And this quote appears that it's from Nike. Interesting, because I wonder who said it at Nike. But anyway, the only one who can tell you you can't is you. And you don't have to listen. I'll read that one more time. The only one who can tell you you can't is you. And you don't have to listen. So thank you again for that tip in. We appreciate it. Uh, we can get right to the show. We've actually had, sheesh, we've actually had breaking news several times already. Uh, to not today, but in the last couple of days, and I think because of that, I've rerouted the start of the show a couple of times. But I'm actually going to start this show out with uh, some breaking news in baseball. Uh, because a trade went down this morning where the Oakland – see, that's the one thing, ironically enough, out of everything that I'm sitting here talking about, and I'm saying, oh um, – and I'm sitting here saying, oh, I've rerouted the show, I've rerouted the show, and since this breaking news broke this morning, I do not have the trade up in front of me. But the Oakland A's have moved on 
from first baseman Matt Olson. And they've traded him to the Atlanta Braves. Now, I'm going to play something before I let you guys know uh, what they got back in return. And you know what? I hope this actually plays. But this is an interview from Oakland A's legend and executive Gary, or excuse me, Grady Fusan. And I spoke with Grady back in August. And Matt, this is going to be the fun part because now you you're, you're going to get to cover the Aviators with with us. And uh, shout out to Don Logan because he 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 plugged me with Grady and uh, Mr. Fusan told me. Gave me, rather, a little insight as to the way that the the Oakland Brass were thinking. And when he did so, I told him, thank you for his extreme extreme candidness, because I could tell that there was nothing but truths being told. So I'm going to play this portion of this interview. I think it's maybe 25 seconds from August 4th, 2001. Or excuse me, 2012. That, that, that. Why am I jumbling these numbers? I feel like I'm dyslexic. Um, From August... 4th, 2021. Here we go. And the bottom line is, if you look at us right now, um, we've given up a lot of our farm system in the last three years to win now. You know, when you have guys like Chapman, Olson, Canna, Murphy, some of the other guys that we have, this is our this is our now group. And, you know, if we don't win with Chapman and Ole next year, you got, you got to make some serious decisions about what, we, what we're going to do. So, and the bottom line, so you guys just heard it right there. He 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 admitted in August that this team and keep in mind, let me go ahead and frame the question for you guys in case you guys are unfamiliar. Uh, I asked Grady the decision to move on from Jesus Lusardo. I was around Jesus Lusardo, uh, did an what I believe to be a, a pretty dope story about just the things that he's gone through in his first couple of years as a big leaguer and. This includes Tommy John surgery. This includes being from Parkland, Florida, en route to Stoneman Douglas High School just prior to that mass shooting. Uh, and then obviously being traded from Washington to Oakland and now being traded from Oakland to Miami back home. And I, I, I kind of asked Grady what kind of went into that decision. And as he said before, these are all win now moves, but they've depleted their minor league system over the last three years. Now, what was that? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just about right to be honest with you. <laughs> Three years ago, uh, we covered people, the likes of Jorge Mateo, Mark Payton, Seth Brown is in the is in the major leagues now. But you had big league talent on the Las Vegas Aviator level that are now sprinkled around the rest of major league baseball. So. Grady Fusan let it be known that if the team didn't win this upcoming year, which would be this season, that they would have some tough decisions to make, obviously midway throughout the year, whatever the case may be, maybe even in the offseason. But as I tweeted earlier this morning, or earlier today, I really believe missing the postseason this year expedited that process. And that's the reason why Matt Olson was dealt this morning. Now, Let's talk about what they got back for him. 
They sent them to the Braves for four prospects. And again, I'm going to have to work on these names because I, I'm, I'm pronouncing a lot of these names for the first time. But Christian Pash, Shay Langerliers, Langliers, let's say Langliers, Shay Langliers, who is a catcher, and Christian Pash plays the outfield. He also plays the infield. Uh, Ryan Cusick and Joey Estes, who are both right handed pitchers. So they get four players. That's their haul for their their former all-star, Matt, uh, Matt Olsen. I, Matt, I, I would love to sit here and say, what do you what do you think of the trade? What do you think of the trade? But we just heard it from August 4th. A lot of people may not know what this trade yields because Oakland's looking to build their farm system. So a lot of these bigger trades, when I saw that he was getting traded to the Braves, I said, did they bring back Freddie Freeman? And once I saw that they didn't, I said, okay, that that makes sense to me. I wouldn't expect them to bring back Freddie Freeman. They're going through a rebuild. They're probably going to trade a lot of these big names and not get very many big names back. So I guess my question to you, I'll open up the conversation and, and, and leave it here. Clearly, Oakland is headed towards a rebuild. Does that heighten? or lessen their chances of staying in Oakland? Oh, man. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I think Oakland, the Oakland Athletics, have kind of seen the writing on the wall for a while. Um, they've seen teams in their own city leave. They saw the Warriors go across the bridge over to uh, I believe they're in. They might be in actual San Francisco they are now. now. Yeah, they saw the Raiders leave town for Vegas. Yep. And they're looking around at the stadium they're playing in, and many consider it to be a dump. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably putting it lightly. <laughs> and you mix that in with the fact that Vegas has made a hard push for a while for MLB. Mm -hmm. This is not something that was thought of yesterday right. this has been something that's been in the works they've been looking at different sites they've had uh, many members of the oakland athletics come to vegas to look at potential sites and have various meetings i would say it's not a matter of if they're going to move to vegas it's just a matter of when uh, because i i think if you're going to go into a rebuild anyway it makes sense to move the team if you're if you're saying if you're contemplating moving cities you know the team's going to be in a rebuild for probably at least a few years we're talking right. at least two to three years maybe maybe longer maybe shorter but at least this is going to be a multi-year rebuild what better way to encompass a rebuild than moving cities getting that fresh start getting everybody you know new faces and new places i, I think if the if the rebuild direction is the direction that Oakland is heading down towards, I could see this amplifying talks as far as moving to Vegas and moving to Vegas in rather quick order, I think. It's interesting that you said that because I'll be completely honest. This is the part where we we, we typically and this is what's so interesting about the show because we still I think we still try to find a way to build even when we agree on certain things. However, this is one of those moments. I, I kind of live for it because we not only do I think we disagree, I think we strongly disagree. You just sat here and said that it's not a matter of if they move to Vegas, it's a matter of when. Okay. 
Well, let me tell you why I don't think that happens. Whether Oakland feels that the Raiders are their first team, the A's are their first team, the Warriors are their first team, regardless of the fact, I think what what happens is Oakland looks around and Oakland realizes, regardless of how they feel, they don't have the Raiders anymore. They don't have the Warriors anymore. So I'm a firm believer in creating bidding wars, right? And sometimes what happens, and this is, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm going to make this uh, come together, but Kanye, the Kanye West documentary on um, Netflix. I had a conversation with somebody recently where uh, I, I believe they said Cootie and uh, – I'm, I forgot the pronunciation, whether it's Cheek Air, whether it's Chike. Um, but they Netflix gave them $30 million for the Kanye West documentary. And somebody sent it to me, and I didn't know the reason why they sent it, but my response was, they underpaid. Like, they got underpaid. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, or she, I think she may have agreed, but I told her, I said, here's the reason why I said that. This is my footage. Even if I wanted to give this all to Netflix, I'm going to go tease it with, with Peacock. I'm going to go tease it with Hulu. Even if I know that I want it to be Netflix. If you guys are telling me 60, I may go to Peacock and be like, can you give me 80? Can you give me 70? Even if they're hovering around 62, I, hey, man, I don't know, man. They're giving me more than 60. I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's I mean, I'm, I got I to gotta go where it makes sense. I think in the purest of forms for me and just my time of being around the A's and being around, I haven't been in those actual meetings. Right. But I've talked to the people that have been in those meetings and they're like you said, Vegas is a legitimate opportunity. I think everybody has a collective in the Oakland brass and that front office. They understand that more than likely Oakland would not allow another sports team to leave. So because of that, I kept telling people, I think talks are going to get extremely heated about the Oakland A's moving to Vegas. They may even say, you know what, we're moving. I don't think the Oakland A's will move to Vegas. I don't. And one of the major reasons is the Las Vegas Aviators. Because let's say that you move the Rio, right? Let's say you, t- let's say you knock down the Rio. Let's say you build a dome like Rogers Center up in Canada. Do you know the amenities you're going to have to have in that ballpark? Because look at what the aviators have. It's going to be a really nice ballpark. Which is why I don't think it happens. I think Oakland, especially with the, the, what's what's the word? With the um, stadium, uh, like blueprints that they are the renderings rather that they kind of threw out there originally with the, with the uh, waterfall on the front. It almost looks like Kauffman stadium a little bit in small portions and Oakland came out. I actually spoke with somebody from Oakland, uh, from the front office. And they, they said, I mean, we never saw that. I looked at him and I said, what do you mean? Never saw that. He said exactly what I said. We never saw that. Like this stadium that they're proposing, we never voted on that. So, like, they're voting on something for us that we never said okay to. 
and that's when, of course, another meeting happened in Vegas, I believe, that same week. And I said, oh, oh I get what's happening. I, I think that Oakland is going to – the city of Oakland is going to go back to the athletics and say, all right, well, here, does this look right? And I believe with all of this hustle and bustle going on, my personal opinion, they will be rooted in Oakland for the foreseeable future, and they'll get a new stadium. This is why I feel like going back to the – to or why I feel like I disagree with you the most – the rebuild point. I think it's harder to move a team in a rebuild. Do you know what would happen to the Raiders if they move the Raiders during the rebuild? Oh, my gosh. Let's even talk about the San Antonio Stars, the now Las Vegas Aces. When they moved, they were like, oh, they're a bad team. Who cares, right? When they announced it, who cares? And then they improved their final two seasons in San Antonio. Then they get here to Vegas, their first season, they miss the postseason by a half game in a season where they forfeited the game due to travel. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the postseason. They lose to Washington, the eventual WNBA champions. And I believe that was in the semis. And then after that, they make it to the WNBA finals. I looked around and was like, fam, this step, this team has gotten – Closer and closer with every step. That made the rebuild a little easier. When I heard the Matt Olson deal, and I heard the the, uh, or when I heard possibly if they made deal Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, uh, he said some other names as well. Sean Murphy was another one. I sat there and I said, "Well, you're not going to rebuild with new faces, because what are you going to sell to the new city?" I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing Christian Pasha's name right. Are you going to sell him to Las Vegas? I'm not saying he can't be a superstar, but you're moving a major league team off of that name. So I think because of that reason, relocation and rebuild at the same time is unlikely. And I think we're headed toward the Oakland rebuild, so I think they're going to stay in Oakland. Be interesting to see, man. It'd be it'd be easier to have people show up to the ballpark because they're, with all due respect, at, at this point, it's not looking like they're going to be showing up for what's on the field. So you might as well give the fans a new stadium. They're already here. Yeah. We just seen it here in Vegas. The fifty ones had a history at Cashman. There, there were faithful that would go to Cashman, and then there were some who would avoid Cashman. Yeah, <laughs> I know people who would avoid Cashman that I see. I don't want to say regularly, but I see frequently at the ballpark here in Summerlin. Location? Same organization. But as far as locations-wise. Completely different. Yeah. But I'm looking at the team, and I'm just like, guys, this is the same thing. So that's why I feel like in Oakland, I'm sure a lot of people are like, fam, I'm not going to go see Oakland. Even with even with Sean Murphy and Matt Olson and Matt Chapman and all these names that that Grady Fuson gave us, I mean, I, I'll go see a new stadium though. How many times have we heard people say that? We heard it last season, but not not with this team. But in Vegas, we heard it. Hey Amen. You hear it. All, the funny thing is, here in Vegas, you hear it. And shout out to shout out to the Death Star, right? Shout out to Allegiant Stadium for being what it is. Going to be amazing in hosting concerts, and obviously we know about football games. Eventually going to get the Final Four, but as of right now, just right now, mm-hmm. 
I don't think it's much of a question that the T-Mobile Arena is Vegas's pride and joy in terms of arenas as of right now. That's my opinion. And I think it has a lot to do – now, when the Raiders win, I think it may change. I think it has a lot to do with the pregame for VGK. I think it has a lot to do with the purple decals on the roof. I, I do. I think it has a lot to do with smaller details. When you, I've been to the T-Mobile Arena covering events – and when I'm up, like you, like I said, almost on the um on the uh on the high rise essentially, mm-hmm. but you're tucked off to the side, mm-hmm. you're overseeing the entire building. I forgot who I was with that night, but I looked and was like, fam, I would not leave here. Like I'm working tonight and I don't want to leave this area. This is like a rooftop. Like this is like a rooftop and we're overlooking whatever the event is. It may have been uh, UNLV in, in uh, Wichita. And I was in the building then during the Roman main event. And I was like. You were all the way up there? I, well, I didn't stay up there. But oh. I was up there during the night at some point. And I was just like, fam, why would I ever leave here? So the T-Mobile has a lot of amenities that I think people talk about on television, right? But even when you're there, you experience some of them. And it's just like, fam, you you have to see the T-Mobile to get it. I can, I can explain Allegiant to you. That's the only difference. And that's my extreme hot take for the day, but I'll take it. Uh, but, again, as as Grady Fusan said in April – or in, in August, excuse me, uh, Matt Olson was one of the names that made – that the tough decision had to be made on, right? Do not be surprised, guys, if Matt Chapman is next or if Sean Murphy is next. Um, let's get to basketball talk. Now that we got that breaking news out of the way um, – but we have to get to some broken hearts first before we do that, because as Matt said, uh, I think this is going to be Matt's um, trajectory when he's here on the show. I think he's going to want to get to the bad news first. So it appears that the running Rebels, <laughs> their their season is over. I say appears because you know what? I don't think COVID is completely gone. I don't think a team is going to like have a COVID test and be like, hey, guys, there's a COVID test. I think they would try to keep that under wraps as much as possible. But things have happened, and we've seen teams drop out for various reasons. Um, But as of right now, it does appear that UNLV, the men's men's side, have not gotten the postseason invite. Uh, That includes the NCAA tournament, the CBI. That includes the NIT. Um, they've as of right now again if that does not change they end their season at 18 and 14 10 and 8 in the Mountain West uh, conference eighth straight year getting bounced in the conference or in the quarterfinals of the conference tournament they ended up going 12 and 4 at home this year 4 and 7 away and 2 and 3 on a neutral court interestingly enough I believe out of those five neutral court games I think five four were in Vegas have to be sure but i think four were in vegas for sure but if that if this is the case and unlv's season ends here your first year assessment of kevin krueger is what hmm first year assessment i think slightly above average um there were some wins on the schedule that I hadn't projected as wins going into the year. Fresno? Yeah, at least one with Fresno. Um, I thought they would get swept by Colorado State. I think I probably did, too. Not the other way around. Um, 
I wasn't feeling great about their chances against Reno. I thought if they were going to get Reno, it would be at home. I didn't like their chances on the road. They went ahead and they swept Reno. So they've got, I mean, some to their credit, some impressive wins. They also have some really ugly losses thrown in there as well. They went on the road to San Diego State. They went on the road to San Francisco. They went on the road to SMU. All three games were double-digit losses in, in, in basically heinous fashion at that, too. I mean, they weren't close double digits. They were 20-plus double digits. And considering that, what did you say? SMU made the NIT or they made – they did. They, uh, SMU made the NIT. So San Francisco made the NCAA tournament. By the way, Air Force Women's – this is random, but I believe Air Force Women's is uh, – they received a postseason invite. No. I believe so. Well, not to the NCAA tournament, right? I don't believe so. But this is just random, and we'll get to it in a second. But go ahead and finish your, your men's basketball point. Um, it's I'm going to say, yeah, I'll keep them slightly above average because there was also a lot of room for improvement with this team. Okay. There was a lot of games where you just sat there and you went, how? How is this possible right now? Right. Um. There was a lot of games where, admittedly, yes, the the offense did look broken. And there were games that it looked like it was making steps forward. There were games that it looked like it was taking a few steps back. And I think you – first years are always hard to assess because you just – you kind of go into the year anyways without many expectations. Right. Because you know good, bad, ugly, or anything in between – it's probably a hall pass year for the head coach. And I, I think that might not, that might be a somewhat accurate statement when you're talking about Kevin Kruger this year is, yeah, kind of a hall pass year. You know, he had to feel it out. He had to feel what it was like being a Division One head coach his first season. Ups and downs. Um, I, I will say this. For anybody that's giving uh, his assistant coach, was it Carlin? Carlin Hartman. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> wait, wait, just stop it. Give people a little background just in case they don't know. So after the loss mm-hmm. uh, to Wyoming in the quarterfinal, yep. Um, ironically enough, there was, a I think, a Golden Knights game on that night, and they were playing Buffalo. This was Jack Eichel's return to Buffalo, and Buffalo wasn't too happy with Jack Eichel, to say the least. They were <laughs> making sure he was um, not welcomed in the slightest, and my guess is... Carlin Hatman turned on the TV after, you know, a, a mm-hmm. disappointing loss and trying to get his mind off things, saw that, tweeted was on his mind, and you had UNLV fans <laughs> clapping back. I, I I don't know why. I don't know if they've been watching the same season you and I have, but in everything that I've been watching when it comes to Carlin Hatman, he might be the one actually steering the ship. Like, Kevin Kruger might be up... It's funny. I'm, I'm going to use this analogy, and I hope it doesn't come out the wrong way. Uh-oh. So, like, you know how, like, in a plane, right? You got the one pilot that's doing the flying. You got <laughs> yeah. the one next to him just uh, sitting there just in case. Yes. Carlin Hatman's doing the flying. Kevin Kruger's just there, like, just making sure, just in case something goes wrong. Steering the ship? Yeah, he's just make, he's just kind of, like, there for decoration. <laughs> um, be, I, because that's the thing. Like, it? anytime this team had a really good run, you, you saw Carlin Hatman. He was the first one on the court. Clapping it up, slapping up with the guys. Yeah, for sure. Coach Hartman is is or Hartman, my bad. No, all good. Coach Hartman is. It, it, here's here's the thing though, and let me at least throw a little wrench in there and see if it if it works. Uh, Kevin Kruger. 
to be a coach, sometimes you have to, and, and I'm learning this just um, on, on, on different levels, but you have to delegate as well. And a lot of being a head coach and just a leader in general, yeah, whenever things go right, I'm going to point to Coach Hartman. Whenever the team is out-rebounding another team by 15, yeah, I'm going to point to Coach Buck. That's my job, to do that. When things go wrong, yeah, we didn't have the guys ready. I'm not going to single any of those guys out. It's my fault that we didn't have the guys ready. Um, but when we win, yeah, it's, it's everybody else around me. It's not me. So I think his nature also could contribute to that analogy that you did give. Yeah, I mean, to a degree, but I think you also saw in the times that it wasn't going good, you you still saw that same energy from, from Coach Hartman. And you saw a guy, because I think, uh, I'm not sure if you caught this. It it may have, I think it was Coach Hartman in the quarterfinal. I think UNLV was down. I think they were down by like nine or ten. Mm-hmm. This was kind of at the peak of like them <laughs> trailing at the peak of the conference. <laughs> kind of. Um, n- no pun intended, by the way. For those, shout out to Alex Wright. All of his uh, Mountain West at the peak. Yeah. Tweets. Perfect. Perfect timing. Um, but it went. This is kind of like right as they were in the middle of trying to claw themselves back in. Right. I think UNLV had gone on, like, a, a pretty bad couple-minute run, like just a bad stretch of basketball. They weren't playing good. Right. You call timeout, and, I mean, I'm sitting in the upper deck with some homies. From where I'm sitting, I can see Carlin Hartman irate almost and trying to, like, spark any type of energy whatsoever in those guys, animated, yelling, you know, kind of like a let's go type of moment. And Kevin Kruger's not like that. Um, He's not a very animated person to start with. But I think it just goes to show that, you know, criticize all you want to, but just understand that, you know, Coach Hartman's also the one that has really been sparking a lot of these runs, and he's been behind, you know, keeping these guys honest. And, you know, you, you sit... You or you just wa- even watch a couple interactions. Um, Coach Hartman's always the one in Kr- Kevin Kruger's ears, you know, suggesting different things. Whether it's a certain set that they need to run, whether it's a certain player they need to get in at a certain time. Um, Coach Hartman's always been on top of that. And so, from my assessment, um, I don't know. Wh- I-, I think it's a bunch of salty UNLV fans mad that their season came to an end yet again in the quarterfinal. That's what it is. Um, you know, and and for whatever it's worth too. I seen one tweet, and I should it should have been a that's out there now. But I seen one tweet that said, uh, <laughs> that said, the knights or yeah, don't the knights should never support this friend or this program again or something along the lines of that. They don't support him anyway. I was gonna <laughs> say that I didn't want to be that guy, but I was gonna say, what do they do now? <laughs> With all due respect to the Knights, but remember what I said about UNLV football and the Raiders? That's the ultimate definition of my mom told me to keep the light on for you. Like, I don't want you in my room, but she said I had to leave the door open. That's lit. No, that, I'm telling you, that's what the. All right. That's accurate. It, no, that's it is. What, what like, it, so it is. Like, the Raiders do not want UNLV football in Allegiant. But shout out to Tony Sanchez. You, now they don't have a choice. You, you know, have you taken the tour of Allegiant? you taken the tour of Allegiant. The actual tour? No. I've given myself a couple. <laughs> but did, the actual tour, no. Did uh, did you notice something about the walls? Aside from all of them being black? 
Except for one. <laughs> yeah. There's literally one in the entire building. You can walk around top, bottom, sideways of the Legion Stadium. There is one wall in the entire place that's red. There's a wall of high school football helmets. Yeah. And there's one because I mean, to the Raiders' credit, they don't they don't want red in their building. I mean, there's rivalries and all that. There's, Fam, you ain't gotta nah, we're not doing that. It's not red mixed with gold. Like, don't do that. Like, we don't we don't have a big KC on the wall. Like, you're here in Vegas. We play here as well. Throw some red paint on something. They got one wall. Fam. They got so that's the crazy. I would walk around with a red, red, red paintbrush, just, <laughs> just a red line across everything. You are here now. They this got, is... yeah. So they got one red wall in the entire place. It's yeah. where the UNLV locker room is, and to make matters worse, they got one merchandise spot for the fans. It's a little pop up shop too. It's I was a... just about to say that, and it's a pop up shop. Yeah, there's nothing in the ra- in the Raider image for UNLV, which is which truthfully makes no sense to me. That yeah. is honestly like the and and with all due respect to the Raiders, I just do not get it. I just don't. And I understand that the Raiders are like larger than life. It's not like the Rams and the Chargers. Like you're not sharing a stadium with an NFL team. In my opinion, it looks a little gross. It does. Yeah. Like I mean, to your analogy, it's it's like Ages you know, at every Lady Rebel game, damn near. Yeah. Fam, what? There's aces. There's at least aces personnel that we've seen. That uh, Nikki's most, been at games. Nikki Miss Farkas has been at games. Yep. Fam, we're not doing this. Uh, but I mean, back to your analogy, it kind of fits perfectly. You know, it's one of those that I didn't want you to stay in my room, but hey, I, we were told that you had to. So this is so uncomfortable. Oh man, who do we ask about this? I think we, do we ask Mark? I don't know if Mark could tell, so that's the thing. I'd ask. You're bolder than I am. I'd ask. Why not? Like, why? And this is the this is the funny part about being bold. Like, why am I bold for that? Like, is it has have the Raiders kind and even in what do I tell you? Framing is everything. I don't have to look at Mark Davis and say, "Why don't you guys support UNLV football?" I can look at him and say, "Have the Raiders contemplated putting UNLV merchandise in the Raider image?" Now that you mentioned it with Mark Davis, yes. Uh, Mark might actually tell you. Right. Yeah. Right. Mark Davis might. Yeah. Off the record, he probably would. I don't know that he wouldn't on the record. Only because I don't know that Mark doesn't have a reason. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that he's wrong. I just said from the outside looking in, it looks gross to me. But I also don't run an NFL team. So if Mark Davis is like, yeah, maybe maybe his reason literally is, nah, everything in here is Raider. If it's not Raider related, no. Um, I don't know. You you could just ask plenty of different things. Like I mean, I don't want to give away my hand too early, but things can be done in terms of looking more like a a, a brother sister program, little brother big brother program. Even it's it's just it's it's not what you get when you. It, with all due respect, and I could be wrong, because the players do their own thing, right? Have you ever seen any Raider players get shouted out at a UNLV football game? No. Let's move on. You got anything else on uh, men's basketball? We'll, we'll catch you again next year. Try again. Try this again next November. 
this team is going to look vastly different next November. So I'm not yeah. sure what we're going to get, but there's like you said before, there's things to build on in terms of uh, this season and what Kevin Kruger and company has been able to do. The Lady Rebels are continuing to build on what they've done this season with, with Lindy LaRock and company. And uh, yesterday, uh, it seems like all these days are, again, bunching together. But yesterday, we were actually at the Thomas & Mack taking part in the selection show. Uh, first time that – was that your first one? Selection show? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, actual, like, with a team that made it. Yes, first one. Okay, so I think we've all kind of thrown selection Sunday parties. But, um – you think yeah, we, you think so, the men threw one? Never mind. Keep that. That was a bad point. Anyway, go ahead. No, it's not a bad point. <laughs> let's get back to let's get back to supporting. Like we said, like we said a second ago, somebody got to make it make sense, dog. Because the only person that I saw was Donovan Williams. Yeah, I was about to say the only one I saw was Stretch. Somebody has to make it make sense, dog. With all due respect to UNLV, you were not hearing your name called on Sunday. You could have showed. And I was going to say, the, the team across the hall from you was going to hear their name. I'm a little weirded out by it. I don't know who caught that is. I don't know who determines things like that. I don't know if now that the season was over, they were just like, you know what I mean? You guys can disperse. I have no idea. But we just talked about the Raiders and UNLV football. All right. Anyway, we didn't have to wait too long. Uh, Selection Sunday started at 5 began reading names at 504 or something ridiculous like that i believe the lady rebels had their name called before 513 <laughs> like it, it was it was in that moment uh got some 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 photos obviously i was talking well obviously we were just talking to jared thompson and one of the things that he said not like the conversation was off the record but he said he was extremely happy to see the city pour in the way that they did and he was obviously on the road still in in, in business uh dealing with uh christy fox and her and her unlv f uh, softball team but it, it was still interesting that he felt the community support from a road trip and that was that was what definitely kind of stood out uh how do we feel how do we feel about yesterday just just everything that we kind of took and i'm sidebar i'm gonna say this one more time donovan williams was the only men's basketball player that we saw yesterday I mean, it was an, it was an interesting, it was interesting. Like, it was unique. It was, as we mentioned, the first one of these that we've been to. I mean, shoot, we go to countless press conferences, countless games, countless practices, countless media availability times. This is kind of a new thing in the sense that we haven't really been to a selection Sunday thing, so I don't know if we had anything to really expect. Yeah, very good point. Um, I mean, I had seen, like, what other schools typically do, and, um, you know, I, when I heard, obviously, it was going to be open to the public, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, they might get, you know, some people. I wasn't expecting that many people. Yeah. Um, I, you know, from there. I, they poured in. Yeah, the, the community definitely made its support, which, I mean, surprisingly enough, I wasn't too sure if they were going to get that support because they had VGK competing with them at the same time. Right. Granted, VGK on the road, but people still tune in and all that. and Watch parties all around the city. Yeah, absolutely. So th the fact of the matter is, there, it looked like there's a decent amount of people that made time in is their day. Is a watch party if you look? Never mind. Just keep, I'm sorry, I apologize. Don't worry, we'll get to them. My bad. Um, I think they're later on in the show, but we'll get to them. No, we gotta get to them. Um, <laughs> believe me. They're, they're next. Oh, better, <laughs> even better. 
Um, but no, I mean, I, I was pleasantly surprised with the community turnout. Uh, they had a, a good spread for the community. Um, Great food. Made sure, yeah, I was saying, made sure everyone was fed really well. And, Autographs and photos galore. Yeah, and um, you know, it's funny. I was walking in, and this is gonna sound bad, but I promise it's it was a complete mistake on my end. I was walking in, and there was somebody in front of me. And I looked, and I was like, I feel like I know that person from mm-hmm. somewhere. So I look again, and I look again. And then the light bulb moment comes on. Oh, that's President Whitfield. Mm-hmm. But I didn't real I didn't recognize him at first. Yep. Um. So cool to see President Whitfield, even on a Sunday, coming out supporting uh, the Lady Rebels. Obviously, Eric Harper, the athletic director, was there. He made Indeed. a couple. I think made at least one statement, maybe more. Um, heard from Lady Rock a couple times. Yep. Um, the team is obviously really excited, and uh, it's funny. Uh, before they were even announced, Lindy was kind of saying, you know, we, we hope that, you know, obviously the hope is to play close by. We have the community support, you know, right. get together, and make a, a road trip out of it or whatever. Or, um, however the case may be, we just hope that we're playing fairly close by so that we can get the community support even on the road. Moments later, they're announced that they're going to Tucson, Arizona, which I mean is a little far, but in reality, they could be a lot further away. Right. And especially when you hop in a car and you realize it's six hours away, it's like, I- I got six hours. Like I'm from I'm from California, so I drive four to go home. So yeah, I think I can make this trip work. I think I can do it. Uh, one of the reasons why we had a pretty good conversation before this show started, and one of the reasons why I started a little after three, because we were d- discussing, you know what I mean, some some travel plans and making sure that that this obviously worked. But uh, they're traveling to Tucson, Arizona, to take on the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, shout out to Adia Barnes. She uh. Again, had a couple of back and forths with Lindy LaRock and the Lady Rebels on Twitter, uh, just congratulating her for winning the tournament. And uh, obviously, she read the tweet about the one of the, I don't want to say game-winning shot, but one of the most critical shots of the game, uh, admitted that she took it from Adia's playbook. And interestingly enough, too, you know what's so interesting? Maybe this is telling more about me, but I've run into a few coaches that obviously have devised plays themselves. But even then, when you look around at just basketball over the years, there are ways to look at an old play and see some some, some variation of it. Sometimes you look at Golden State's offense and it's like, fam, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Look at Mike D'Antoni, some of his offenses, and you're like, fam, I don't think I've ever seen that. But I say that because when you look at that play, right, and we knew what it meant, Lindy credited Adia. I wonder if Adia credits anybody. And I wonder if that person credits anybody. Probably. And I wonder if that person credits anybody. So I say all of that to say, I was watching, and again, don't ask why, but I I tend to watch a lot of basketball, just old basketball too. And I was watching the 94 Eastern Conference Finals, and the Knicks and 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 the Pacers were playing. Shout out to my Pacers. And the Knicks ran this play where I put it in my notes. The game was tied maybe 30 to 30. It was second quarter, like 10 minutes left or something like that. And I wrote the exact moment. And I showed a couple of people, and I said, fam, do you see this play? And they were like, yeah, this play is unbelievable. And I looked at them, and I said, I'm going to teach my middle schoolers this. Like, I'm just wondering if it was to be a similar situation to Essence Booker in that play. What if we were to did? What if we were to ran that play at a crucial point, and it turns into what it turns into? 
You guys would look and be like, where did you guys get that play from? I got it from Pat Riley's playbook in 94. So it just goes to show this is why we love kind of what we do, because these are the small details that now you're matching with Twitter. Now, now how does how is this going to go? But that game does take place on Saturday, uh, March 19th. It's a part of the Greensboro region. Uh, if UNOV wins, not trying to look too far ahead, but if UNOV wins, they would be slated to play the winner of the 5-12 matchup, which is five, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And then, you know, I probably shouldn't have said Tar Heels because I do not know what the Stephen F. Austin <laughs> mascot is, so I apologize. But they're playing against number 12, Stephen F. Austin. Uh, that game will obviously uh, produce the, the, the winner of um, – or the, the opponent, rather, for the winner of Arizona and UNLV. Let's give one more update really quick while we're here because I don't want it to I, – I think I tweeted something about it every day, but I don't want it to – uh, go unnoticed that we haven't said it on the radio show in probably an episode or maybe two episodes, so I want to make sure we do it again. But somebody tweeted that Brittany Griner just isn't getting enough attention for them, and I agree. And part of the reason why I feel like she's not getting the attention is because Russia is in no rush, in my opinion, to give her back. Yeah. And that's even more the reason of why the basketball world is saying then we need to not shut up about this if they refuse to give her back like we said before this is no longer a person being detained this is a hostage situation i I don't know what more we're supposed to say about this situation aside from bring britney griner home and we just need to continue to 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 shine light on that um I think it's pretty sad to say that she will never play in, play overseas again. Yeah. Once she gets back. Yeah. I, I, think I shouldn't great. say never, but she'll never play in Russia again, right? For sure. I will say this, though, not related to Brittany Griner, but more so uh, UNLV versus Arizona. It's actually a sibling rivalry. Yes. Talk the, about it. The Thomas sisters. <laughs> Jay Thomas taking on Sam Thomas. How do you think that household feels? I think we're gonna see. They they probably got that the custom shirt order oh, where you got sure. half UNLV, half for U of sure. A. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna puke any less. Yeah. Like some, you're gonna have to console somebody. Yeah, that's as a parent. I I have no kids yet, right? But I wonder if part of it is you don't mind them playing. Not to open it up. Yeah. Like, not to open the tournament. Like, Sweet 16, all right, somebody got to move on. Now? (laughs) We got to open up like this? Uh, But they do have three. Talking about uh, the Thomas parents, they do have three in the – three children in the NCAA tournament as a whole, obviously considering Bailey as well. Um, Where are we headed? Oh, no. Jeez. 7 o'clock tip-off, by the way, for that game. Yes, 7 o'clock tip-off. Did I not write that down? Oh, yeah, they announced that today. I apologize. Uh, 7 p.m. tip-off, you're absolutely right. So, technically, you could wake up Saturday morning and still get to Arizona and still catch that game if you wake up early enough. Like I said, it's a six-hour drive. And nationally televised. Yes. So, I've I've made some drives for less reasons is what I'm going to say. So, I'm – yeah. 
six hours. I think we kind of talked about it before. We'll find a way to get there, especially if we fly. I, we haven't even looked at how how long flights would be, but hour twenty. Not that not that I was poking around or anything, but you know, we'll See. we'll start turning, and then you like. See. I wonder, cause then it all—that's the crazy thing. Like it all, I'll just be sitting there and I just start wondering about stuff, and mm-hmm. I'll be like, you know, let me look that up. My first flight was to New York from California and from LAX to JFK, and when I uh, landed, um, oh, I take that back. When I was on the when I was on the flight, it was my first time, so I was afraid. I was afraid of heights going in. Um, so I'm on the plane and I'm like, oh man, I'm on this plane for how many hours? Like, this is kind of insane. And then I've flown from Vegas to, uh, California to cover USA basketball. And I said, man, this flight was 30 minutes, like 45 minutes. This is, I feel like I could have walked. Like, this is the way that I felt. And because of that, I kind of made up in my mind. I'm like, fam, if any, if something is like six hours from me. I'm going to drive like I would have more stories driving than hopping on a plane for 40 minutes or an hour. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So once we once we found out Tucson and we were in the Thomas and Mac and we went ahead and opened the phone and said, how long does it take? Six hours in a minute. I was or six. Um, What was it? Was it six hours? I think six hours in a minute specifically to touch Tucson. I looked at you and was like, Fam, at this point, we could drive. We could make a road trip out of this. We would have a lot more stories out of this. Um, but like you just said, the game takes place on Saturday, and it, it does uh, tip off at 7 p.m. Not talking about tip-offs. We're talking about puck drops now. Uh, two games since the last time that we spoke. And still on the road at Pittsburgh and, and at Colorado. And I, I said – or Columbus, excuse me. I apologize, Columbus. Um, I told Matt as he was kind of prefacing this this Pittsburgh game, I felt a little rude because that's his this, – this is his – uh, neck of the woods. This is his field, and I didn't. I'll be honest. I, I was irritated by your analysis, and I was just like, "Fam, just say it. They're gonna lose." Like, just I don't know why you won't say it. They're gonna lose. And I'll be honest. When I said it, I said, "I mean, that was a bit harsh." Like, maybe now, what if they don't? And then Friday came, and Friday went as well. The Knights ended up losing that game 5-2 to two to the Penguins, and then they followed that up on Sunday with a 6-4 to loss to Columbus. That is four straight losses on this road trip. They're 2-5 and five in their last seven. <laughs> I, don't know. I have no question. I mean, I think you told the, a bulk of the story even right there. You know, we, we talked about the road trip, and I think you may have even asked me, realistically, what do you think your expectations would be of this road trip? And I thought, you know... They're capable of three and two, four and one, somewhere in that area. I, I didn't see four straight L's coming. I thought may it worse they'll split the first two. I didn't think they were gonna get past Pittsburgh. That's why I didn't push back on it when you said they were lost. I, you were they were gonna lose. I was like, yeah, probably. Um, what did I say? Two, two and one. Whatever it is, we're we're way off. We gave them way more wins than they're gonna get. Yeah, maybe, or maybe it was three, one, one, something like that. Something know. like that, possibly. Oh, I. I, I God, that's horrific. Uh, they might not even get two points out of this thing. That's that's the craziest thing is over the last five games, they might not – or five games of this road trip, they might not get – they might not even get a point. They might lose all five in regulation. Okay, so as of right now, we're – out of loss for words. As of right now, the the Knights sit at 32, 25, and 4. 
68 points on the year. They're tied for third in the Pacific Division. So as of right now, here's here's what's weird. Because mm-hmm. it seems like their their position hasn't hasn't changed, right? And one of the things that I thought was really, really interesting, you, earlier this season you've pointed out uh, if this team was in different divisions. Mm-hmm. And we went ahead and said, well, let's see where they would be if they were in different divisions. And I think they had 64 points. What's weird about that, they did have 64 points, but that felt like we did that about two weeks ago. But <laughs> they're here with 68 points, and they're sitting in third. They're tied for third, rather, in the Pacific Division. But they're sliding further and further back from first, even in their own division. They're now 11 points behind Calgary for first place. They're six points behind the L.A. Kings, which I already told you guys earlier this season they were not better than. And then they're tied with Edmonton. That's the team that they're tied with for third place. They do have a three, they're three points up rather on Vancouver, and they're four points up on the Anaheim Ducks as well. Matt, I'm going to give you one more chance. In the beginning of the season, when you said that this team, while they were in first place, would not make the postseason, and everybody looked at you crazy, why did you not bat an eye? Because of how the roster was constructed and the fact that you lose one of your biggest insurance policies in Marc-Andre Fleury, and you go with a guy that has very limited proven reps. You have, I mean... The best thing people probably could have said about Robin Leonard coming into this game or into the season, rather, was they they all point to the same thing. They all point to the 15 or 16 game stretch in the bubble where I believe he had two or three different shutouts, um, multiple games where he was only giving up you know one or two goals at the most. Uh, I believe he he won the majority, if not all, the starts that he had in the bubble. He had really good stats, and people were like, "Well, see that? I mean, he in the bubble he." was putting up great numbers and he he's proven that he could be a starting goaltender like so Correct. but I wasn't convinced by it I I was saying look this dude's got problems like uh, mentally it would handicap him enough to affect performance yeah. and I'm not here to say that you know having those mental problems is a bad thing because I get it that you know every mainly everybody or at least a good portion of the population. I'll help Robin Leonard out. I deal with him. Yeah, so there's a good portion of the population, if not everybody, at some point in their life that go through it. But when we're talking about it in the realm of professional sports, indeed, it can definitely be an injury that handicaps you. And I think that's something that has been discussed but i think what's so interesting is with hockey you you follow your your leader right you follow your captain you follow your goalie and here in vegas i i I think it's just been so weird at least in my time i haven't covered the knights uh in person you know what i mean super in-depth the way that you have but uh just from the outside looking in this is the first time that i just don't I can't gauge the temperature of not the team. I can't gauge the temperature of the fan base. Well, I think the fan base is moving into a new territory. And I like to think that at least on this show, you and me are pretty quick to pick up on a lot of different things or, or at least take notice of it. We kind of prelude, preluded to it a little bit and kind of hinted at the fact that Vegas could very well be heading towards a at least a period of time in their franchise where things aren't so good or aren't so golden, and the fact that you, yeah I know I had to slide I that in, I had to slide that in there somewhere. I liked it 
Because um, there was somebody that it went over their head until I did the doo-doo-doo. And they were like, whatever. ah. Um, anyway, there's going to be times where they're not a playoff team, where they are more of a lottery team than anything. I think at some point in time that was coming, and like you said, maybe sooner rather than later is better. Because if you know it's coming anyway, why delay the the matter of fact and delay the process hmm. of having knowing you're going to have to go through a rebuild? Now, the way the roster is constructed right now, it's pretty hard for them to go through a rebuild because they have so many different guys that are still with the team for many years to come. Eating a cat. Just sitting on a bunch of different... I mean, you have Jonathan Mercer, so that's going to probably... I think he has at least another two, if not three years left on his deal. Same thing with William Carlson. Uh, a lot of these guys. Alex Petrangelo has signed long-term. I think Jack Eichel has signed long-term. You've got Max Pacioretty, I believe, signed long-term. Same thing with Mark Stone. So all these guys, they're get, they when they brought them in... They all signed them to multi-year deals and multi-year fairly big. You ready for this? Because I have these up now. Yeah, go for it. Because I, I think. Oh, it's you're like, not going to like this. It's probably a lot of them that are assigned for still a long time. Okay, is this from this year? I think this is from this year. This is from this year. We're, we're, we're going to have a very, very good conversation. All right, let's do it. Yep. Um, Jack Eichel has five. Okay. Pacioretty has two. Okay. Carlson has six. Okay. Jonathan Marshall has three. Okay. Chandler Stevenson has three. William Carrier has three. Okay. So Max Pacioretty is the only one. Riley Smith has one. So Riley Smith and Max Pacioretty. Riley Smith this year, Max Pacioretty probably next year, and then a couple the year after. And those are just forwards, mind you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach Whitecloud has seven. Alex Petrangelo has six. Shea Theodore has four. Oh my goodness. Robin Leonard has four. Francois well, has two. I I mean, at least we know the defense isn't going anywhere anytime soon. McNabb has four. Mark Stone has six. Alec Martinez has three. Yeah. Yeah, that defense is locked up for a while. Yeah. Um, Indeed. The forwards, you might interchange a little bit, but, I mean, like I said, it, it kind of circles back to the original point. Vegas kind of pinned themselves in a corner when they did this. Like, Sure, you want to have some of your best players with the team long term, but this is kind of the back end cost that you pay for it. That when you're going through stretches of seasons and even full seasons where the team's not performing well, the team's not performing up to expectation, you start questioning why did we sign long term? You know, we should have signed shorter term to give ourselves more flexibility to get out of mm. certain contracts or, you know, move on from certain players. Because the thing that I think is probably the most true when it comes to professional sports is when you're talking about trades, you have to talk about matching up contracts. Absolutely. And it's easier to convince a team to take on a player on an expiring deal, meaning they've got one year left. You know, if something doesn't work out, it's basically no harm, no foul to the other team. They know that player is gonna their contract's gonna be up at the end of the season. Right. Then compared to trading away a guy like William Carlson, who's got I believe you said four or five more years left on his deal. I will go up and look right now. William Carlson six. Six yeah. So it, the tra the talks are a lot easier trading a guy like Riley Smith. You have forty seven million dollars tied up into your forwards. And then they wonder why they're on the cap. Anyway. Um 
it the conversation between between trading way forwards becomes easier with Riley Smith than it does with William Carlson because Absolutely. the teams are going to look at that they're going to say I don't want to be stuck with William Carlson for the next five or six years I'd rather be stuck with a guy like Riley, Riley Smith if he doesn't work out okay fine we don't have Even to renew him four extra five extra maybe yeah um, but that's why I think Vegas and that's why I kind of always stood by the point that. I don't disagree with the idea of a rebuild, but Vegas is in a hard spot where they I don't think they can really rebuild right now because hmm. they don't it's not like they have a bunch of guys that are gonna their contracts are gonna come up. Like if a lot of those guys that were signed long term that are on those three years left, four years left, five if all those guys were say one or two years left, I could see the rebuild happening um sooner rather than later. But Well, for whatever it's worth, let's you're right. Any anybody with multiple years on a contract is a less optimizing, I would assume, trade shit. That's my guess. However, not everybody, not everybody. So if you if you have a group who let's say let's let's let's, let's go look at the defense. If you have a group, Zach Whitecloud's not going anywhere, right? Seven no. years. But if you have Shea Theodore, so at the end of the season, let's say next next season, middle of the season, toward the end of the season, if a team is lacking defense. Shea Thurder has a great year for the for the Knights. It's right past the trade deadline. You can't do much. Next offseason, I mean, that, that, that three looks a little appealing if I grab you in the offseason. Four during the regular season looks a little tough. But talk to me six months later, I'm getting three and I'm getting you in the offseason. I don't know that a team won't bite. Like you said, the, four, the, the five and the sixes, those are – you're probably stuck with those. So maybe that goes back to my captain comment. Maybe Mark Stone doesn't get moved. But it goes back to what I'm saying still, too. If a team feels like they're a, they're a voice away, if a team feels like they're a defenseman away, I don't know that somebody doesn't bite on one of these deals. They don't have to keep them the full time either. Especially, too, considering how much do you think, if the Knights are not headed in the right direction, how much do you think the uh, salary the Knights would eat up if they had to trade away a bad contract? Probably a good amount. They'd probably have to eat it because I'll take an extra year if you eat up an extra contract. I mean, eat up an extra par- portion of the contract. Yeah, and you might get into. And that's the other thing is, if you're the Knights, you can only trade away so many different guys for draft picks before True. you start needing guys in return to fill out the roster. So, this is. I mean, like I said, that's a blessing and a, and a curse in the same juncture as far as signing a guy long term. Yes, it's good that. The fans know that he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, but inevitably, if the team's not performing well, you also are reminded that he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So it makes it a harder piece to move. And right now, Vegas has a lot of hard pieces that they really are kind of stuck with and they can't move around. The only thing they could really do, and maybe it works, maybe it even doesn't, is really put a rebuild to front office slash coaching staff and just pray that that works because players have to follow suit by default. But I mean, you got to be really certain players probably, but like we just talked about, there's other players that contract wise, they're probably stuck with the team, whether the coach, the new coach or new GM likes them or not, because you look at it on paper and you go, Oh crap. We're stuck with this guy for another four to five years. Nobody's going to want that contract. Like, out of the names you listed, 
Riley Smith would be an uh, ideal trade. You want me to give you some of the one, some of the one years, and yeah, give, and you'll give me the uh, likelihood of being traded. Now, with all due respect to a lot of these players, again, Matt is the one embedded with the Knights, not me. Uh, but a lot of these names, you may have to help me pronounce if I if I'm getting these wrong. Mm-hmm. I am gonna avoid a couple of them. Okay. Um, pardon. So Riley Smith is obviously one. Yep. Uh, Nick Roy is one. Keegan uh, Keegan Colasar, excuse me. Um, I said Nick. Hey, did I say Nick Hague already? No, you said uh, Nick Wah. Okay, sorry. Sorry, my my bad, my bad. But Hague's on there. Yes, Hague is. Uh, say Hague has one year left. I already said Riley Smith, uh, Matthias Janmark, uh, Brett Howden, and Jake Bischoff. Just a couple of names when you're on there. Maybe I should look at two years, huh? Because one year they'll be they'll be up at the end of this year. So trade deadline, you can't get to trading. Let me give you some of the twos. I apologize. Sorry, guys, if this seems like a little bit of nerd talk, but we kind of are. Yeah. Uh, Max Pacioretty has two years left. Uh, Dadanoff has two years left. Nolan Patrick has two years left. Um. Dylan Coglin has two years left. Brossois has two years left. Just a couple two years left. Three of the four names you could make legitimate trade moves for and, and probably get a decent return back. You could get a decent return back from back for Max Pacioretty. Okay, I agree with that one. You can get a fairly decent return back for Laurent Brossois. What about Nolan Patrick? I don't think so. Nothing nothing of significance? No, because Nolan Patrick, he's already playing, I think, on the fourth line anyway. Right. I mean, maybe to a bad team, he would play on somebody's third line. But on normal teams, he's probably going to stay in that fourth line area. So teams aren't really likely to give up a whole lot for a guy that they know is going to be on one of the bottom lines anyway. Hmm. But you've got, um, we said, what, Max Pacioretty, Laurent Brassois. Uh, Dylan Coglin. Coglin. Um, who else did we just say? We just said a. Uh, uh, I know Keegan Colasar was on there. Oh, he was the one. Uh, oh, right, Paul right. Cotter is one. Carter. Uh, I said Coglin. Um, Nolan Patrick was another one. Dadanoff. That that'd be the other one that you could probably get a good. You'll you'll definitely get something back for that one. Yeah, because that was, I mean, with all due respect, I was a little shocked when you when you said that with with the Ike move, you were like maybe Dadanoff is somebody that you have to look at the contract and say it just doesn't work. Uh, but I was a little shocked because I, I talked to a couple of Knights, not um, execs or anything, but I talked to a lot of Knights fans and just people who support the team, whether it's season ticket holders or whatever. And, I mean, like you said, Dadanoff was a, a, a big, uh, what's the word, excitement piece for this for this fan base. So it would be interesting to see if his, if his stay in Vegas wouldn't be that long. I mean, the old saying goes, hockey at the end of the day is a business. And, <laughs> I mean, that would – be a business move to deal away Dadan. I think it's Dadanoff. Dadanoff. I don't. Dadanoff. Yeah. I I, I, usually, I usually go off of uh, whatever uh, uh, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, the guy that do the guy that do the broadcast. He knows. I, I usually go off them. <laughs> um, they I, know, I think me. they've said Dadan. Yeah, Dadan. I can't even say it. But if yeah, I heard it, I would be like that. Upon it. Yeah. That that Dadanoff. That's the one that you said before. Dadanoff. That's right. Dadanoff. Yeah, I think I've heard them say it like that. But in any you case. You know what? Now that you've said that, yeah. If you take off the OV off the side of his name, his name is Dadan. Yeah. So I like it. Dadanoff. Oh. I get it. All right. I'm all right. All right. My bad. We <laughs> got it. We got it now. We got it moving forward. That's right. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, he's a guy that brings a lot to the team, but 
with bringing a lot to the team, you're going to have to kind of pay for what you get. And the Knights right now are paying for what they're getting. And that the fact of the matter is, you know, you might have to deal away for maybe some of those guys do get dealt away for picks, but other guys you're going to have to look up and you're going to have to say, we're going to need some veteran assets in return, you know, to make the salary, to make the roster work, to make salary cap work, to make it all work. Um, <laughs> because I don't think the Knights want to be in a situation where they're shorthanded on the roster side just to get under salary cap. Random, and I was going to move on from this topic, but uh, do you want to give me the top three players that account for the biggest cap hit? Off the top of the head? Off yep. the top of my head? Yep. Uh, the top three, Jack Eichel. Number one. Yeah. Uh, Alex Petrangelo. Number three. So there's somebody between Petrangelo and Eichel. Because I remember both of them have insanely big contracts. And I'm going to say... is it a, It's a forward, isn't it? It can't be a defenseman, right? I don't want to give that away because you, you would know. Yeah, I'm going to guess it's a forward, and he's playing most likely on the f- first line... Mark Stone. Great job. Good gosh, man. I was I was sitting here thinking like he's gonna get all three. I thought I thought Petrangelo was gonna be the one that threw you off. And once you said Petrangelo second, I said, Oh no, he got it. The only I reason I remember Petrangelo because everybody was throwing a hissy fit when he first got to Vegas because of how much he's making. They were like, How much did they sign him for? Amen. As a defenseman? Um, but that's the only reason I remember that. Otherwise I probably would not have remembered Petrangelo. <laughs> I probably would have guessed somebody else. That was great. Uh, wow, I'm impressed. I'm, like, thoroughly impressed, actually. Uh, but let's talk, man. Uh, let's talk about some football really quick. Before we do that, the Knights are headed to Winnipeg to take on the Jets. They got to get this win, right? You would hope, right? Oh, man. Oh, I, I don't even know what to expect with this team anymore. I mean, I, I, on this road trip, I think I counted at least two games that I was wrong about that they were going to – I thought they were going to win and they didn't. <laughs> well, we've had a couple of those already considering what we thought they were going to come back from this road trip yeah. sitting at. So I think we're already – we've already had a couple moments where we, have, where we had to eat our words. But um, that game is set for 5 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, puck drop is set for 5. I just said that, right? Yep, puck drop is set for 5 p.m. Let's talk about football really quick. Uh, breaking news that we were actually going to start with, we were sitting in selection at the selection show yesterday and – as soon as Matt walked in, I think he brought the bad juju with him. Uh, but as soon as he walked in, I picked up my phone and he sat down next to me. And I think the first thing that I said to him is Brady's coming back. <laughs> I was literally reading the tweet as it as it uh, broke. But yeah, man, Brady was retired for all of three weeks. I don't know what you guys want. I <laughs> he thought I, thought I said it was a little unceremonious. Yeah, I said that I I expect I don't. With all due respect to Brady, I don't think he's a narcissist, but he doesn't strike me as Tim Duncan. No. Like, he doesn't strike me as that. So I was like, he'll come back and we'll know that it's his final season. I don't think that's going to happen. So especially when you consider Cristiano Ronaldo asked him, are you really done? And Brady's face went viral that day. I mean, that wasn't a a year. He never said no, right? But – you definitely didn't say yeah. So I, I I I think for most people it didn't shock them. I was one of those people. What about for you? No, I'm not shocked. I mean I, I was the funniest part of the whole thing was reading some of the memes after it was announced. <laughs> for sure. 
you know, some of them that were saying, uh, yeah, Brady spent one week in the, the after-school pickup line, and he said, yeah, screw this. I'm going to go back to football. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. And – and. Hey, that pickup line be no joke sometimes. I I might I go back to football. No, I mean <laughs> plenty of jokes. Plenty of jokes said that he uh went home and obviously got on Giselle's nerves and she sent them back. <laughs> like it, plenty of plenty of different things were we, we had these jokes when Kobe retired, right? Yeah. Kobe retired and everybody was like, fam, Kobe's gonna go home and look at his family and be like Alright, one more. Hey guys. <laughs> How you guys doing? How you guys doing? What's up? Um, but we say that because these are these are players that are so so highly technical at their craft to where it's like when Kobe walked away we didn't want him to walk away right and I think with this Tom Brady thing I I, I gotta be honest man I think with the exception of the players that have to play against him and the coaches that have to coach against him I think the rest of the world are okay with Tom Brady coming back. I think we would properly like to send him off. I don't think anybody's happier than Jalen Ramsey. He said, throw that inter- throw that last touchdown on somebody else. Uh, so I, I, Jalen Ramsey is – I believe him wholeheartedly that he is extremely happy that he will not go down, hopefully, <laughs> as the last person to uh, have Tom Brady throw a, a touchdown on. But generally, man, even with the jokes, uh, shout out to the coach. The coach came out and uh, – <laughs> tweeted and it's so funny because I should have realized it in the moment but I didn't see it but the day that Tom Brady retired uh, February 1st they came out and they had uh, they had like a 45 second Spongebob clip where Spongebob was moving away after his, after the pineapple had disappeared and they played the, the clip where Tom Brady was Spongebob and um, Squidward were, 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 were Indianapolis Colts fans and that's when he was bringing him his bags, bringing him his suitcase, shaking his hand. All right, run along. So long. It's been fun. It's been great. You know what I mean? Have safe travels, da 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 whatever the case may be. And everybody in the replies were like, oh, wow, that's disrespectful to a GOAT. That's why he owned you guys. That's why he did it. da da Everybody who replied just let the Indianapolis coach know that they never saw that episode. Because when Tom Brady announced it, the Indianapolis coach proved to the rest of the world that they were not shocked. Because they said, we finished the episode. And they quoted that original tweet. And they played the part of the episode where SpongeBob's, the seed, that pineapple seed, sprouted another house for SpongeBob. And that house was called Tom Brady's 23rd season. So, the rest of the league expected this. Now, just me fanboying for a quick second, and let me go ahead and get this out the way. I said yesterday, I don't think anybody's more mad than Aaron Rodgers. Because everybody was, obviously I said it in a joking mood, but everybody was like, I wonder why he came back. I wonder why he came back. He came back because of probably the same reason why Aaron is upset the most probably right now. Russell Wilson's gone. People feel like the Cowboys are snake bit. Tom Brady may see a wide open runway in the NFC. We know football. It's not going to happen, right? Carolina's going to be ridiculous next year. Or the Saints or somebody that we just was like, oh, fam, okay, cool. But as of right now, I think Tom Brady was looking at the NFC and said, even at 46, <laughs> I think I can do that. Um, I'm not shocked. I don't know why you guys are shocked. Other quarterback news. I mean, hey, even these gas prices got Tom Brady coming out of retirement. <laughs> I think the one thing that Tom Brady doesn't <laughs> need to come out of retirement for 
is money. That's yeah. the one thing I hope that he least. doesn't have to do. <laughs> Trust me. If that was the reason, I think Giselle would look at him and say, I, I got that. Don't worry. If that's the reason why you're going to I got Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, that, I can't imagine that household. Yeah. I want them to be my godparents. That'd be dope. <laughs> That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Um, all right, in all seriousness, let, let, let's get to a serious topic really quick. Any Anytime you search Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's name now, trade rumors come up, right? And, and, and where he where he may end up next. And um, interestingly enough that you don't see the, the 22 criminal charges that he just avoided. Um, in addition to that, he still faces 22 civil char- uh, civil suits. I do think that's interesting to, to uh, point out. And, and interesting to highlight. However, I have gone uh, on on record, and shout out to Celine Dweck, uh, our Florida man fact checker. Uh, I got some news from Celine recently, so maybe you know, maybe some maybe some things have changed soon. But um, Celine always keeps us in. This is the weird part. Celine being our Florida man fact checker, Celine is the guy that we have to look at sometime and say uh, edit point like, but. Salim typically keeps everybody else, like you said before, we're talking about Coach Coach uh, Hartman. He keeps everybody honest, and he keeps everybody uh, from saying things that they shouldn't. And he wanted me to be very, very particular with my words when describing a Deshaun Watson situation, because I never once said Deshaun Watson didn't do anything, never once. How about I, how the hell would I know? I did say. I just want people to remember a couple of things. When Colin Kaepernick kneeled. Bob McNair, who is no longer here, owner of the Houston Texans at the time, said we can't have the inmates running the asylum. I said, when I heard that statement, two questions came to mind. You agree that the NFL is an asylum. And you agree that the products on the field are inmates. I want people to realize that Deshaun Watson plays for that organization. Just because Bob is no longer here doesn't mean that the McNair family does not still own the Houston Texans. Keep in mind as well, and this is just maybe, maybe it could be minor, but the NBA has eliminated the term owner, and now you have team governors. The NFL won't even sniff the idea. So that's just a little sidebar. But the Bob McNair point was my first point, right? My second point was, if Deshaun Watson did all of this in Houston – he plays for the Houston Texans. And he said he wants to leave. Now these reports come out? I said, guys, I haven't said Deshaun Watson hasn't done anything. Only thing I'm going to highlight is if that is true, that means the Houston Texans not only knew, they kept it under wraps. And then I said the third thing. Or... Can't trade you if your trade value drops. His trade value plummeted when this originally broke. And I told everybody. I said that's one way to quiet him down. Now I said, do I believe that he did something? I don't know. The way that this situation was presented to me with those three situations led me to believe that Deshaun Watson was innocent. Just because of the way that it was handled. Simply because of the way that it was handled. It could come out right now that Deshaun Watson did do it. And it would go right back to my second point. That's disgusting, and that means the Houston Texans knew it. 
I still stand by this theory, and we'll and we'll let you obviously take on take this on. But I don't know how quickly they would act, and I, I know the NFL is the NFL. But I feel like regardless of what happens, I believe the Houston Texans should really be looked at in terms of moving their franchise. Because one of two things, like I said, if he did do it, that would mean that you guys knew and kept it under wraps when he was playing for you guys. If he didn't do it, you guys don't deserve a franchise. Because this is what you threw on an innocent man's name? Again, we'll find out, right? Hopefully we'll find out. But the 22, and I mentioned it before, the 22 women that came out, it was, what, 7 at first, then it was 11, then it was 14, 18, 22. I, I don't know how many other people did the research, but I did a little digging. The The attorney who was, uh, the first 11 women, right, or something, something along the lines of that, the attorney who was representing the women was close friends with the, with, with, with the McNair family. I saw that and I said, you guys couldn't even get a, a, an attorney that wasn't your homie? You couldn't get an attorney that wasn't the homie that you have pictures with? <laughs> I saw that and said, I wonder what, what, what Deshaun Watson's legal team saw. Again, I'm not saying that he's innocent of it. Right. But these are the things that I saw and I said, fam, it's in his best interest to be quiet. Because they're doing a pretty good job of sticking their own foot in their mouth. One of the things that I heard, and again, we can move on after this, or we'll, we'll give it to you and we can move on after this, but one of the things that I heard was, um, of course they threw it out because they said that the stories didn't, didn't, there was no way to tie all the stories together. Most people that uh, have argued that people who have been accused of what Deshaun Watson uh, has been accused of, there's, I don't want to say a pattern per se, but there's, pattern isn't the right word because that means he would ex execute it to, the, to a T. But he has certain, uh, Things that he has to do. For instance, one person said that he um, has to be massaged in a certain area with the towel on. There was another young lady that said that she felt uncomfortable the one time that she did it, right? And the next time that he came in, she said, tell him that I'm not here. They told him, according to this, this uh, report, and Deshaun said that he refused to see anybody else but her. So he left. I heard that. And then people got mad at me for asking questions. I said, so if that's the way that he reacted in that sense, how do we get to 22 women? That sounds like somebody that, even if he did do something nasty, he doesn't want to do it to, to he, he, he wants to do it to the person that knows what he's there for. It seems like a risk to go around and just ask random people to do it. Now, again, I'm going to say this for the seventh time. I'm not saying he didn't do anything. But society has to stop battering people for asking questions. I thought all the questions that I asked were valid. All valid points, for sure. Um, I guess there's two sides to this. There's the football aspect of it, and then there's the off-the-field aspect of it. 100%. From the off-the-field aspect... The fact that all 22 criminal cases were all dismissed. Again, I'm not here to say he did do it or he didn't do it. But you can kind of see which way this one's going. If all 22 were dismissed. 
Because my, my theory is if he did do something, one of them would have stuck. At least one. They'd have gotten at least one of those things to, sti- to stick. Could this be a money grab? Maybe. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't put it past the 22 people that have civil cases out against Deshaun Watson. Indeed. Um, that might be bad to say, but at, at this point, it's kind of a matter of fact, and it's kind of the, as sad as it is the society we live in, where we've heard about cases. Even even when true, and, I, and I'm just going to throw this in because it backs your point, Bill Cosby, right? There's proof that Bill did some nasty stuff in his life. Yeah. Janice Dickinson came out and said she was one of those women. Everybody said, oh, my gosh, Janice Dickinson, she's one of those women. Like a month later, she came out and said she lied. Yeah. Everybody looked at her and was like, why'd you do that? For a check. Like, fam, there's people that literally, Jesse Smollett, there's people that are actually enduring this. So why'd you lie? Now, again, this case, we can't even point to the women. I'm I'm not pointing to the women. No. Like you said, I'm pointing to the franchise. How does that attorney all of a sudden get in touch with those 22 women? All right, fam. My bad. Continue your point. Um, so regardless of how I guess the civil side of things works out, maybe there is a settlement of some sort or Deshaun will have to pay something out, however that works out. Um, to me, on the surface, it kind of looks like a money grab. Uh, on the surface, at least. I mean, mm-hmm. may- maybe it's true that he did do something and – that doing something wasn't enough to charge him criminally or anything like that. I don't know. But just first reaction on the surface, this kind of looks like a money grab, which is pretty bad. And the thing is, too, about massages, and I'm sure – I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people have gotten them before. And uh, certain places – I'm not going to say they require you to be, but they encourage you to be bare entirely. So – they do put that little sheet over you. And they say it with both uh, male and female that the body reacts different ways. So do I believe that nasty stuff takes place in massage parlors? A hundred percent. One million percent. So am I sitting here saying, oh, Deshaun Watson would never. Absolutely not. He might. He might. He might. Why am I hearing about this now if he did this for over, for over four years in Houston? We should have knew he was a nasty man four years ago. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. If he's nasty, tell me he's nasty early so we can get him out of here. Telling me he's nasty once he asks for a trade makes me go, mm, really? And again, even if he is, would you know? Come on, man. I'm so ready for the Texans to be out of Houston. Um, I know the city of Houston deserves it. But we've talked to Justice Oluwashun a couple of times about when the Houston bad luck started, right? From the Rockets losing James Harden to the Rockets just kind of sitting John Wall at this present moment um, to the Houston Astros cheating, to the Houston Texans doing, I'm not even going to say doing this, to the Houston Texans being involved in this. I do believe that the city of Houston is going to suffer in one way, shape, or form when it comes to their sporting teams. And I think the only thing that's coming is relocation. And I think if we name those three teams, 
the one that I would say would be relocated would be Houston. I will say, though, this does make his his, uh, trade stock much higher. It soared back through the roof. There's going to be a lot of teams now that are getting back in line, uh, dialing up the Houston Texans in trade talks with uh, or about Deshaun Watson. Um, Some teams probably should have been in line, and they chose not to get in line, but that's, you know, that's how they go sometimes. Is it? eh, Sadly. That's how they make it, though. Uh, Yeah. Um, But nonetheless, I think there's a decent amount of teams that are – you know, looking at themselves and they go, okay, well, we know he's going to be eligible to play. We know that he's not going to be criminally charged. Uh, the only thing he might have to fend off is some civil suits, but that's about it. Should be reinstated back into the league fairly soon, I would imagine. Um, I say that because <laughs> knowing Roger Goodell, TBD on that. Um, anyway, you look at just a logistic standpoint of it, though, yeah. Like, there, there's teams you look at, you go, you're better with Deshaun Watson than without. A lot of teams. A lot. Some could even look at this team in Las Vegas, and I've been very, very – Hey, man. Very, very – what's the word? Uh, encouraging of Derek Carr. Yeah. Deshaun Watson is an upgrade. Yeah. I, I think so. Um, I'd say that's a safe bet. Yeah. But I, I do like how it raises the trade value for Deshaun Watson and – um, I, I think ultimately a trade's probably going to come of some sort. I can't imagine Houston's going to keep this man captive very long. I, I, the sad thing is, too, I think Carolina was one of the spots that's kind of like it's heating up the most. Um, okay. I just I just wonder how long you get in. No disrespect to him, but I just wonder how long you give Matt Rule if you bring him in. Because that would be Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, now Deshaun Watson. I would assume that you're not sending Deshaun Watson out before Matt Rule and maybe another coaching staff comes in. Um, so if he does get sent to Carolina, I think the, the clock on Matt Rule starts immediately. Um, the one team that probably should have been looking at him that I don't think they Packers. Won. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Close. Steelers. You guys really – I shouldn't say really, but – I could be wrong. I haven't talked to anybody. I think you guys really want Kenny Pickett. And I've said that for months, that Kenny Pickett was probably going to fall to you guys. And I don't think Kenny Pickett is, like, a first-round quarterback. Probably not. So I think Pittsburgh is going to get their guy, and they're going to be ecstatic. And I think you guys are going to rip him for the rest of his career because he wasn't what you guys expected him to be. But it's not fair to him. No, not at all. Um, Before we move on, let's talk about the Raiders really quick. Max Crosby signed an extension. Well, Four years, $98.98 million. I like the way they did that. 98.9, yeah. That's fire. I like the way they did that. Okay, but can I be that guy? What you going to say? <laughs> Would I be wrong to ask for that extra 200000 and be like, fam, kid, just give me the 99. I know what my jersey number is, but fam, just give- Please, I like I like round numbers. <laughs> like, can we just go ninety nine mil, please? Well, that's the thing though. So like, it I I guarantee you it's like this on contract. It probably is ninety eight point nine eight. I think under the table it's probably ninety nine. They were like, yo, but between you and me, like, here you go. We'll square this off. And 
aside from the fact that this it may not even be under the table handing because they gave him 53 of that guaranteed on top of the table. So they probably was like, fam, take this 98 and bounce. Um, but it, it, it kind of answers what we've expected. And Max Crosby, Max Crosby is going to be the defensive leader for the Raiders for a yeah. very, very long time. Um, and I think what's so interesting about Max is we we talked about it before. Uh, Max, would, we we just mentioned it earlier, right? Max would probably be the person that would pop up pop up at a, a UNLV football game because we've seen Max probably everywhere else. <laughs> well, I, I've seen Max a million different places. I feel like I've seen him at at Aces games almost constantly. So. Uh, shout out to Max Crosby and getting this extension, and he did it two years uh, on his two-year anniversary of the day that he got sober, which was at, or which was uh, March 11th. So shout out to Max Crosby for kind of having a full circle story. My dad. Oh, and before we get to my dad's tip in, let's go ahead and uh, mention that um, the Nighthawks, the Nighthawks are in are in business on Friday. It will be their franchise deb- debut. They will take on the Northern Arizona Wranglers. Again, that's Friday uh, the 18th. I don't know why I put the 14th on here. That's Friday, March 18th. Kickoff is scheduled for 9.05. At night? I'm just telling you what they what it says. 9.05 at night? And, and I thought about it saying Eastern time, but even with like, when I looked at it, I said, we're playing Northern Arizona, and we're Las Vegas, so I don't know why you guys would put Eastern time up there, but if it is Eastern time, it's a little awkward, but it would make sense. But it does say 905. <laughs> I'm about to look this up He now. said at night. Uh, you can actually look that up, and we'll actually end the show by giving everybody an update on that. Uh, my dad's tip in today is hats off and congratulations to Coach Greg Popovich for becoming the winning That's definitely a typo. For becoming the winningest coach in NBA history, I remember when my dad – oh, my dad is telling the story. My dad said, I remember when TC, in case you guys do not know, that's what my family calls me. I remember when TC took me to cover uh, the the Men's USA basketball camp uh, a couple of years ago. Dad, that may have been last year. No, you're right, two years ago. Uh, and it was a great place to hang out. He said, for TC, it was nothing new, but to me it was awesome to see a great assortment of NBA players and coaches, but I was – but I was cool and not all struck at all. That was until I stood next to Coach Pop. I looked over at TC and I said, that's Pop. While TC laughed at my amazement. The man had had that mystique and air around him or, and surrounding him that all true legends do. So I could imagine the things that he's installed and in, instilled into any player that has had the pleasure of playing for him. Everything I... Every time I have a conversation with anyone regarding great NBA coaches, Pop's name always comes up. And what I always mention is that he's a master of putting his players in, posi- in position to be successful and also knowing when and how to rest his players so that they're ready for a, pl- for a long playoff run. You guys talk about Pop a lot, so there's nothing new that I can say that hasn't already been said on the show. But one of the most amazing stats that I've heard after breaking this or after this record-breaking victory is that he has more wins than six other NBA teams. The Orlando Magic, Charlotte Hornets, Minnesota Timberwolves, Toronto Raptors, Memphis Grizzlies, and New Orleans Pelicans. Enough said. I do have a quick story about Pop. I will say when they when I did see that that notification that Coach Pop had more wins than six NBA teams, I'm not going to hold you. I crossed my fingers and I said, please, God, Pacers, don't be one of the six. 
I, I just wasn't sure. I said, just please don't be one of the six. Like, there's a lot of things that you guys have never won a championship. That's fine. Whatever. Like, there's a lot of things that happen. I'll take that. That's not a stat that I, don't, I wanted to combat. I didn't want to have to combat Coach Pop having more wins than my franchise. So, shout out to Coach Pop. I will tell this quick story. I was at USA Basketball uh, just a couple years ago. I was sitting next to – actually, I was sitting in between Marcus Smart and Kimba, uh, Kimba Walker. I was doing my interview with Kimba. I asked him something. And uh, time ran out to, to do the interview. And we didn't know. We were in the middle of our interview. Coach Pop walked up and was like, yo, let's go. And when he said it, I was like, oh. We looked up. Uh, Kimba was like, dang, Pop. And I was like, regulators. And Marcus Smart and Kimba Walker both looked at each other and was like, mount up. And just that hip-hop reference, Coach Pop laughed. We kind of laughed and shook it off. Um, it's just those moments. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, it is a moment where Coach Pop comes over there and is like, move. And everybody, like, everybody kind of swallowed their tongue like, Whew. all right, cool. But to see us kind of still have a kid's level reaction in that moment um, kind of just shows the type of energy and aura that Coach Pop kind of keeps around him. Uh, I tweeted that story, or I retweeted that story random, uh, randomly. I shouldn't say randomly, but I did it recently when he uh, accomplished this feat. And that's just one of my favorite stories about Coach Pop. And um, probably another time, too, we were in a media scrum and I asked him something. And at the end of it, we were walking away, he kind of pat me on the back. And when I looked at him, he winked at me. And, again, we've talked about it all the time. But just in this, at this level, um, you run into some roadblocks. And, and especially being younger and saying that you own a media company and you're working for a media company. I'm sure when you go to these nights games, people look at you and they're like, I mean, you're here covering it for your own media company? Like, yeah, I am. It's, it, 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 it's a energy that follows you now that that kind of comes with it and i appreciate i appreciate coach pop for that because i feel like w even without the words being spoken i think coach pop understood that and just that that small wink let me realize that if nobody else took me serious in that room he did so i appreciate coach pop for that um you got the answer on whether that's a 905 kickoff it's definitely not a 905 so 605 705 so what the hell is the 905 that's from their website. I think somebody fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Guys, I didn't bring the speaker today. The show ends here. Until next time, guys. <laughs> Keep on talking.